Cougs house. All right. We kind of got a lot of stuff to get into today, but man, the Houston Cougars are number two. Say what? You are locked on Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Angel, with Hitter Breakdown, all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater came to stop by, please be sure to subscribe down below. That way you can get the latest on the Cougs in your newsfeed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. Welcome back to YouTube channel. It's good to see you again. Uh, remember, we're giving away a, I believe we're going to give away a size extra large uh, jacket, uh, the nice Houston Cougar Letterman jacket style co- jacket uh, at 750 subscribers. Uh, so make sure you hit subscribe down below so we can get there. Uh, we may change it up. We'll see if there are not people in the XL class, like, or the XL size, I should say, uh, trying to grab that. But if you hit subscribe down below, we can get there. And if you're commenting and liking the videos, you let us know that you're entering into the contest. If you can't think of anything to say today, this one may be a hot take for some Texan folks, but tell us if you like sweet tea or unsweet. And if you're new to Texas or new to Houston, yes, it's sweet or unsweet, not regular. All right, so today's episode is going to be a little bit of a hodgepodge of things. First, we do have to break down what exactly is going on with Houston being the number two seed in uh the AP poll. Uh, the second segment, we're looking at some of what Kelvin Sampson broke down on his uh, Monday Monday evening radio show. Um, just kind of, you know, some tidbits pulling out of that that I thought were interesting uh, and worth passing on. And then in the third segment, we're going to switch gears to football because Inanna Wije uh, is a legacy guy coming to the University of Houston. We've got a new quarterback sign. I'm going to break down some stuff that we found on him as well. Exciting to have more quarterbacks on campus. But first, let's talk about being the number two team in the country. Now, Houston had a good week. Uh, They did beat Wichita State in Wichita on Thursday night. They then traveled back to Houston. Probably got in. I think uh, the stuff I'm seeing is around 2 o'clock in the morning on Friday morning. Had Friday to recover and then flew to Philadelphia on Saturday to play Temple on Sunday. Now, uh, both games were... Hard fought for about 20, 25 minutes, and then Houston pulls away. Houston did a very good job, as we've outlined in the recaps, of uh, making halftime adjustments in their offensive and defensive schemes. Interestingly enough, uh, both teams kind of attacked Houston the same way. Temple had more tough shot making, but both teams really hit the glass hard with their big fellas, and Houston was able to overcome both instances. Speaking of big fellas, Purdue and their biggest of big fellas, Zach Eady, lost on Saturday to rival Indiana in Indiana. And I think maybe tell me if I'm wrong in the comments, we all kind of assumed that Houston at number three at the time, having seen the number one and two teams fall would bump up to number one, because that's how this thing has gone in this, you know, uh, roller coaster of a college basketball season. Instead, Houston moved up to number two and Purdue stayed there at the top of the AP poll. Worth pointing out that all the analytics and stuff still love Houston. Top of the net. It's the top of the uh, Ken Palm. It's all of the different 
analytical stats and, and those kinds of looks, they all love Houston. But for some reason, Houston's having trouble breaking through that. For what it's worth, the number three team is Alabama, four is Arizona, five is Texas, uh, six is Tennessee, seven UCLA, eight that team Virginia that we beat earlier this season, nine is Kansas, ten is Marquette. And, uh, you know, you could keep going. There's a couple more. Big 12 or Southern teams there in Iowa State, Kansas State. Uh, Baylor is at 14. St. Mary's College, who we saw on a neutral floor in Fort Worth, is 15th um, after their big win over Gonzaga on Saturday night. Um, all that is to say that Houston being number two is a little bit of a shocker. And admittedly, the bigger deal is being the number one team in April, right? When March Madness is said and done, that first weekend of April at NRG Stadium, you're going to be holding the trophy, cutting down nets, and talking about me number one the next day. I get that. And I understand. You don't have to go off in the comment section talking about why that's more important. I get that. But I see this as a bigger problem and trend. And I did a little bit of digging here as to why that could be. Because I think seeding for a team like Houston will be really, really important. Houston has had trouble with teams that have a multiple three-point shooters and a big right um, now that is a really difficult combination to find in college but the way houston plays bigs is they double down on him right and then they kick out to a bunch of shooters that's tough to cover we saw in temple that cliff battle has hit some crazy shots outside but they also had that big 611 270 60 pound ish guy in reynolds down inside right that back and forth gave houston problems and then reynolds went out, ran out of gas and battle started making you know the, the shot regress the mean and all of a sudden Houston runs away with it. Um, so seeding matters to me because you get more favorable matchups as far as inferior teams along the way. Right. And I think we all agree that Houston's home court advantage and energy will be big, but getting there is just as important. So as I looked back at this, I only went back to 2017 admittedly because it was somewhat tedious. Um, but being in the top three or four of the A people at the end of the season, the final A people before March Madness starts being in the top four does not guarantee you being a number one seed in a region of the bracket. However, being in the top three, one or two, and then occasionally three is a pretty good indicator. For instance, last year, um, Kansas was the number one seed, and they were never higher than three all year long. Um, they didn't end up winning the tournament, so that's probably worth pointing out. Um, the The year before, as you go through, the Gonzaga was number one, number two was Baylor, number three is Illinois, number four was Michigan. It worked out perfectly. One, two, three, four. They were all four one seeds, right? That's kind of a rarity as we go back because twenty twenty there was no tournament. Twenty nineteen, Duke was a number five overall in the AP poll, the last AP poll of the season, they were a one seed. Number one was Gonzaga, right? They were a one seed. Two was Virginia. They were a one seed. Three was North Carolina. They were also a one seed. Kentucky, noticeably left out, was the number four team in the final AP poll. Okay, so one of those teams gets left out. Um, 2018, Virginia, number one overall. Number two overall in the AP poll before the, the tournament, was Villanova, number three, six, Xavier. And then number nine was Kansas, and they got the fourth number one seed. Um, in 27, uh, worth pointing out in 2018, Michigan State, Duke, Gonzaga, and Michigan all were in between there and did not get the bid for the number one seed or for a one seed over 
Kansas. Uh, number, in 2017, Kansas was the number one team in the AP poll, got a one seed. Two was Villanova, four was Gonzaga, six was North Carolina. So number three, UCLA, and number five, Oregon, both did not get one seats, even though they were ranked higher than North Carolina. So in looking as to why this is, I think it's in part because of how the tournament's organized, right? There's the different regionals. And so you're trying to make sure that teams are in their region. Like in 2017, Gonzaga at the four seed got number one, got a one seed in the West region. So UCLA and Oregon were theoretically going to either be in that difficult bracket with them or in a region far away from home. And the seeding led to them being kind of at home. That's kind of the carryover too with in 2019 when number four Kentucky didn't get a one seed, but Carolina, Duke, and Virginia did. Suddenly, all of those eastern and middle of the country regions got taken up, and it's like, where do you fit in Kentucky in that? Now, do you put them ahead of Duke? Maybe, but they did, right? Um, and then, obviously, like sometimes it works out nicely, like 2021, where you had Gonzaga, West Coast, Michigan, Northwest, uh, Illinois, they kind of put as their East Coast team, and it was kind of Midwest. Um, I should have said Michigan's Midwest. I think I misspoke there. Too bad. And then Baylor being the South, right? Suddenly you had all four quads from the country taken up. This year, that's really important to Houston because where they fit in with the regional doesn't quite add up, right? You can be in the Midwest regional in Kansas. The Southern regional is going to be over in, uh, was it Kentucky, right? And then the Western regional is going to be over in Las Vegas. There's not a regional in the Texas and, and like neighboring states because the final four is there, right? And so if you're looking at like Texas as a, middle of the country, central time zone team, they could very easily get stuck in the Midwest bracket, which would be the same bracket as Kansas. Now, I'm not saying I don't want to play Kansas. I think Houston beats Kansas. KJ Adams is a guy you follow me on Twitter. You know, I'm a big fan of KJ Adams for a number of reasons, but I think I favor Houston there. I just don't want to play them in like the second round, right? (laughs) Because like that just creates for a more difficult path, right? Or, you know, the sweet 16 or what have you. Um, I want to play as few of those games as possible because all these one game samples, you're just, you know, rolling the dice that many more times. The Western regional, I feel relatively good about. um, But, you know, do you give that Western regional team to like right now? Number four is Arizona, right? They're pretty far West. If they're going to be a one seed, it'd be hard. It hard. To me, for me to imagine they're anywhere besides Las Vegas, Nevada, right? Um, so do you think of Houston as more of a Southern team? Because then you're looking at a region that could potentially have Alabama, Tennessee, or Houston as the number one seed, right? Suddenly, this regionality of it and where the good college basketball teams all are is really creating a problem in seeding, and Houston's getting screwed because they're in the heart of it, being from the H, and... You know, they're fighting to stay in that top three, four, five. They really, realistically, if they can't push up ahead of Purdue on a week that Houston wins twice and Purdue loses, kind of face an uphill battle. And we talked about this in previous episodes where, like, being in the American Athletic Conference kind of hurts the Cougs, right? Uh, That's why you go to the Big 12 next year, right? Theoretically, they don't think of, even though Joe Lenardi will say that American Athletic Conference has a couple teams in it he'd put in the tournament, the average voter doesn't see it that way. So, I see the issue here, not necessarily being that I care about being number two, but I worry about what that indicates for Houston in a future stance, right? If they don't think of Houston after two road win, decisive road wins, 
one against a team that had already proven they could beat Houston earlier. If they don't think that is enough to like move them past Purdue, I'm worried of what the voter will put when they start, or the selection committee will put when they're starting to put things together. Now, worth pointing out, bracketology expert Joe Lenardi did put Houston as number one overall seed as he was laying things out, uh, both during the game on Sunday and since. He had Houston playing Purdue in the finals if he were to go just straight number one seeds and had them opposite one another. And Kelvin Sampson in his radio show Monday responded when asked about that, that the next time Joe Lenardi is right on something, it will be the first time. Now, before we get into the second segment and look at more about what Samson had to say in his radio show on Monday, let's talk a little bit about Built Bar. Now, I know that at this point we are into uh, February, but if you are still keeping up your New Year's resolution and looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, you've got to try Built Bar. I know I'm trying to eat healthier, and I imagine most people, if they're trying to keep that, that resolution, are too. You've got to try Built with Built. Healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think that they're good for you, perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, that's right, real chocolate, and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy on only 130 calories and four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double uh, chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to the Sam's Club, you can run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, churro, and you can thank me later. I am going to say, and I said this when we did this read before, my favorite one to recommend is Coconut Almond, because if you're an Almond Joy guy, and I'm an Almond Joy guy, can I say that a nod? Uh, if you're an Almond Joy guy, they taste just like an Almond Joy, so that's my recommendation. But I'm telling you, you don't have to go to Bilt.com to do it. Go to Walmart, find them there. Make sure you do tell, tell them if you go to the website that Locked On sent you. But I'm happy to recommend to find them at Walmart as well. All right. So in the second segment, I said I want to talk some about Kelvin Sampson um, and his radio show. I've gotten to where I enjoy listening to this radio show to kind of, A, get to see a little bit lighter side of Sampson. Not the same guy screaming at referees as he will be on a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. But also, I think it's worth pointing out, um, it just gives him, you know, he gets asked somewhat uh, blunt questions by the audience there. Um, I forget the exact restaurant it's at in Houston. Um, and he, he answers all the questions um, in that, in the, the Monday night's uh, interview, I guess it wasn't technically an interview, but it's this radio show where people are calling in by hollering out from the audience. Um, he opened up with talking about how difficult that four day stretch was. We mentioned that Houston played at Wichita State on Thursday night. Again, game tip-offs at 8 o'clock. And then gets back to Houston at, you know, 2, 2.30 in the morning. Kids are back in their rooms, he said, a little before 3. Um, and then suddenly he's like, you know, a college kid's not just going like, to walk in and go to sleep. Like, theoretically, they spend their entire Friday recovering while the staff is pulling together analytics and pulling out the notes and takeaways and things to get better on from that Thursday night's game. They have that kind of, like, talk-through, walk-through, etc., and then sure enough, on Saturday, off in the plane again, right? And that's really, really tough 
when Temple had not played in eight days, was very well rested. And that's why Sampson was quick to point out, like, they made really tough shots, right? And so since they made really tough shots, um, you know, that that has to, you just kind of live with that. He wasn't mad at the defense because the question was initially, what was the defense's talk at halftime? He's like, you know, we talked about fixing some things, but he wasn't mad about it, right? The talk was more about, like, finding smarter shots, using your legs, right? Being smarter with the ball and offense, da 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 all those kinds of things. Um, and then they watched slowly as Temple's shot making, as I've said several times since the game happened, regressed back to the mean, right? Um, I will say I was intrigued by the way he talked about the city of Philadelphia as a fan base, because we don't think of it, or I don't think about it, maybe, no, you know, okay. Philadelphia is a college town, right? Pro sports, Eagles, Sixers, Phillies, Flyers, right? Um, throwing batteries at football players in the field, booing Santa Claus. Like, that's what we think about Philly is, right? Um, and he pointed out that, like, as they were taking the bus to the game on Sunday, after eating at the hotel, uh, quote, there was a buzz. We had never seen it like that. Everywhere you looked, you saw Temple sweatshirts, right? Not the Philly sweatshirts, not the Eagles sweatshirts, not the Sixers sweatshirts. The Eagles are in the Super Bowl this weekend, right? And he's saying on the way to the game, you saw Temple gear everywhere. He credited Aaron McKee for that. You know, the continued build of the legacy of John Chaney up there at Temple. Um, and the Aaron McKee, you know, played for Chaney and played for the Sixers and is very much a part of Philadelphia basketball as a whole. And uh, then once you get to the arena, it is a loud, wide out, sold out stadium, 10,000 people, because they got their chance to knock off top seeded Houston, number one team in the country for parts of the year, Houston, for the second time at Temple, right? That's a big, big deal to them. And I, you know, you and I, I I'm, I would be intimidated by that a little bit, I think. Now, the athlete in me would probably kick in a little bit, but like, generally speaking, like you walk in, like that's an intense scenario. And Kelvin was quick to point out that, like, you know, after having gone through playing basketball through COVID, you kind of appreciate the, the stands a little bit. He remember the last being up there when it was a, kind of an empty gym, right? There was him, the team, the press. They all had masks on. That was it. There was no one else in there, right? He said in that moment, they also had like stay in a hotel 30 miles away from the stadium because of like the testing protocol for on campus versus off campus and all kinds of things, like how close you had to be within the window of time and, and all kinds of things right um and that, that appreciation was was like something that you get after that um and that's just kind of in a way samson looks at things but it was something i hadn't thought about like oh we we did miss that like that was as long ago as it feels because like life continues to be like crazy long days that, that wasn't that long ago um samson is also quick to point out like obviously people were asking about you know play the game jerry's walker right like talking about Jarrett, talking about Jarrett, and it was different questions about Jarrett all the time. And the things I thought were interesting was he continues to praise uh, the kid that is Jarrett Walker, right? He's a great basketball player, but they found him as a great fit culturally for the program because the way he works. Um, He also points out that at Houston, as he said, to start the conference season at Tulsa, we recruit kids that fit the way we play and the values we have. Jairus fits that, right? Like Jairus is the kind of kid that is also going to dive on the floor for loose balls, also going to hustle after rebounds. He's working on that mud in his blood a little bit, but he is that kind of kid and that kind of work ethic kid. Um, and I thought it was interesting. You think about like five-star kids and academy kids and the kinds of kids that grow up in that environment, maybe trying to find the quickest path to the next level, 
right? Like trying to find how, how can I get to the next level? You think about Ben Simmons, right? How can I get to the NBA? Uh, Coach Sanson pointed out Markel Fultz, right? Getting through Washington to get to the NBA as quickly as possible. You've seen other guys do it, other programs. And I don't mean to say those guys are not good at basketball or that they don't make good pros or, or what have you. But I was interesting that Coach pointed out, Jarris enjoys, per Coach's word, he said he loves being on a good team. Right, that IMG team that uh, Jarris is on had freshmen that would go, or like kids in Jarris's class that would go on to start as freshmen at Alabama and at Baylor. Two throughout the season, top ten. I guess Baylor is just outside the top ten right now. Teams with star freshmen that will soon be drafting NBA that were all on the same high school team there at IMG Academy. Um, now IMG is always going to have a good basketball program because it is an academy. But that's exceptional, right? And Jarris thrived as a distributor. If you go back and watch the tape, he's like a point center. It's crazy to watch. Um, thrived in being on a good team. A good team was being was important to Jarris. Um, you know, we opened the show talking about me being upset with the number two ranking for a number of reasons. Samson doesn't seem to care. Um, got a few questions about that. Um, he said he pointed out no one remembers what teams were ranked in like November. Right um, now, because I'm doing these shows every day, I can go back and check. <laughs> um, but no one remembers those kinds of things a few weeks later. It's more about the here and the now. So people are upset about the two because it's right here and right now. But if they're a you know a four and one in a couple weeks, no one's gonna remember the two, right? If they're a one in a couple weeks, no one's gonna remember the two, right? Um, the thing he did say he remembers though was quote I remember being happy 500 people showed up to a game, right? That that's where this program phew, has taken off to, right? And that's worth pointing out. Um, you know, schematically, they talked about doubling down on the post and the monster kind of stuff. We'll talk more about that in prepping for uh, Tulsa because I frankly, I, I want to reflect on a couple things when we get there. But in the third segment, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about uh, Ine Ouija and kind of a legacy guy coming at quarterback kind of last minute and off the radar a little bit. But first, I got to talk to you about another big football topic, the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is happening on FanDuel, and FanDuel is our newest buddies here at Locked On College. Uh, so we're really excited about this new uh, sports betting partner uh, at Locked On because they're the number one sports book, in, sports book in America. If you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features. They make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You can get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Sounds pretty safe to me. I teach history. Don't take my numbers into account there. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown now. I've been recommending to bet on Dallas Goddard because it felt like a fairly obvious thing that he would score a touchdown in the game. I've also said to bet on Champion's own Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles to win the game because Mahomes is hurt and this kind of thing. And frankly... Go channel view, go to the H town. Now, I will say we have talked through this Goddard thing so much that what started at a plus 200 bet to watch him score a touchdown has already been taken down to plus 175. So we've got in at plus 200. Thanks for listening. If you're at plus 175, I'm getting close to saying that's kind of too low. Um, there are a couple of things I would look at, but between now and then, if you're not going to bet on the Super Bowl or not going to do anything besides the Eagles or thinking like, oh, the, the other props are too low and this thing, other thing, I will say they got Tuesday night's Arkansas-Kentucky game as Arkansas plus five and a half. 
I'm taking Arkansas on that every time. Arkansas is tremendous at basketball this year. Kentucky has had a roller coaster of a season. Five and a half? I get that it's at Kentucky, but come on. Um, the other thing that is worth pointing out, and this has been a basketball-heavy show before this, is after the big NBA trade over the weekend, the Mavs moved up from plus 1,900 to plus 1,400 to win the NBA championship. Now, I'm not saying I'm picking the Mavs. I'm very anti-Dallas in a lot of ways, uh, especially in the sports scene of things. But what I will say is if you're going to bet on that, I don't imagine that goes down anytime soon. So I'd be, I'd probably like throw that one in there before it continues. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm not sure that it's going to get to be better odds anytime soon. I'd probably throw some money at that before it gets to be like one of the favorites. Um, but that's what I'm saying to throw your money at FanDuel. I'm saying to do it at FanDuel Sportsbook because the app is safe, secure, and easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid for your winnings instantly. Join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. All right, in this last segment, and I have not let myself a whole lot of time, and so, uh, Indiana, I'm sorry. If you want to come on sometime, we'll talk about it. Let's get you on the show. But uh, Indiana Weejay is a three-star quarterback from Pasadena, California, coming to Houston. He dec- he committed to Houston as a preferred walk-on on Monday. Uh, reports are that he chose Houston over uh, being a preferred walk-on at Washington or Nevada. So he had that kind of D1 preferred walk-on spot at a couple different places. Um, that kind of was where he was fitting as a three-star, which I think is interesting um, because, A, typically a three-star kid can find a scholarship somewhere, but B, um, I don't know if he's going to have the diamond in the rough aspect or not, but he is 6'5". He is a buck 90, buck 95, depending on what listing you're looking at. And um, I I say I was impressed by his arm. I think the reason that he chooses Houston, though, coming all the way from Pasadena, California, and we should probably touch on this, is that he's a true legacy. His parents were both athletes for the Cougars. His mom was a class of 1999, was a Houston setter on the volleyball team. Uh, his dad was on the track team, class of 2000, and now the son, Indiana, is on the football team. Now, I, I think it's interesting. I was like, Indiana's an interesting name. He's from California. His name's Indiana. What's going on there? I guess mom is from Indiana. Dad's name is Indy. Very natural fit. Uh, but he initially played at the bigger Chaminade program before excuse me, transferring to Pasadena High School. He did get Pasadena High School to the playoffs there in Southern California. California's got a weird playoff system, but they made it, uh, and so hats off to them. They had a pretty successful season this year, both uh, throwing the football offensively and all that, and in wins and losses. Uh, so, again, I think it's good to get bring that kind of game preferred walk-on. The guy knows how to win. Uh, he's also a three-sport guy, and I like that for these walk-ons or guys that might not start right away kind of positions. Because it means that there's going to be development happening, right? Once a kid comes into your program and he has like just football to focus on, he's not focusing on jump shots or playing first base or his serve in tennis or swimming or whatever. I don't, you don't get a whole lot of swimmers, tennis players. Yeah, fair. But I have to say that you see exponential growth in them in that first like 18 months. And they usually put on a little bit of good weight because they've been in the weight room because they hadn't gotten to, they're never in an off season, right? Um, I usually get excited about those kinds of guys. Now, typically, I'm thinking about like a guy that football, basketball, track, and plays receiver, right? That I'm, I'm being honest, right? I'm thinking about like that kind of a long, bouncy athlete, not necessarily a, a 6'5", 200 pound quarterback playing through other sports. But I think that that's indicative of the com- kind of competitor he is. Um, 
I'd say I watched the highlight. He has a huddle tape out. It's not on Rivals or like that. Um, has a huddle, t- huddle tape out, and so I watched the huddle tape to kind of formulate my thoughts. And I, the first play out the gate is a uh, 50-yard bomb. The ball is 50 yards in the air. He's getting hit as he throws it, and he hits a kid in perfect stride behind double coverage in the defense. Um, and the, the tape just kind of takes off from there. He has a big arm, life's on the fade ball, life's on the deep cross, um, and then some deep ends. or They weren't quite rounded into drags, right? Um, but likes throwing the ball deep um, and, frankly, is willing to get hit to get the ball off to throw it deep. He did have some clips where he's kind of moving around in the pocket, but it doesn't strike me. He's listed as a pocket passer. And I think that it was, again, just kind of escaping to buy more time to throw it deep, more so than, like, threatening to run down the field. He does run a 4.8 per uh, his 40-time listed on a couple different uh, services. So, you know, I, I worth pointing out that, like, he's not, like, slow. He's just not fast, right? Um, and that's, again, the kind of thing you may see develop with a kid that has, like, true dedicated time to just football now after being a three-sport athlete. So we'll see where he goes. Um, I do have to say, though, that it's nice to have a guy from Southern California coming to, <laughs> come to the team just because I do love Old Town Pasadena. Um, but also because <laughs> as you watch it, there's like a different kind of swag in a California quarterback and a Texas quarterback. Um, and I'm not sure one is better than the other, but like just the way that kids enjoy high school celebrations of is a little bit different. And um, I, I really like having a big arm guy because we know we got Donovan Smith that can run. A uh, word is that Lucas Coley can do both. Um, we didn't get to see him a whole lot last season but apparently he can do both a little bit of running, a little bit of throwing. Donovan Smith can really run. And now if Indiana can really, really throw, you kind of got a lot of stuff going in the competition in the quarterback room. Now, I don't project that Indiana starts a game this season. I'd imagine as preferred walk-on. He's a redshirt guy for a little bit. Um, but I will say, there have been in the Big 12 big-time walk-on quarterbacks making big-time splashes None bigger than Heisman Trophy winner uh, Baker Mayfield, right? So, like, obviously, that's a fairly, like, big pair of shoes to fill. But as we enter the Big 12, those shoes have been filled in the Big 12 before. So, like, maybe? Maybe? We'll see. Anyway, I'm excited to have him on campus. I'm excited to see him play for the Cougars. And I hope to see him, um, even if it's not in this spring game necessarily, Hope to see him develop some in his first couple of years in Houston and really, you know, grow into this, right? You get to focus on football now and grow into it. Um, if you want to talk to me about Indiana Ouija, Old Town Pasadena, Hoop, Samson, whatever you want to talk about, you can find me at Painsworth512, P-A-I-N-S-W-R-T-H-512 on Twitter, Instagram, all your various social media handles. I'll be happy to talk all things Houston Cougars. The Rockets lost an ugly one Monday, Monday night. We can talk about them too. The Astros, the Texans. I do like the Miko Ryan's hire as much as I begrudgingly watch the Houston Texans. Jordan Tinkers, whatever you got. I got that on a full wall behind me. All things paints with 512. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. If you're looking for a second listen of the day, I'm going to recommend Lockdown College Basketball. Now, Andy and Isaac, if you hear this, you did upset me when you both agreed that Purdue should be the number one team overall because they all know it should be Houston. And we went through that in the first part of the segment. So I'm going to do it again. But that's a great podcast. Let's do it. It's a daily national college basketball podcast here at Locked On Podcast Network. Andy and Isaac do a great job. So make sure you go check them out. Thank you all so much. Make sure you subscribe. And if you're listening on audio platforms, download, rate, review, do all the wonderful things. Give us a thumbs up and a comment down below. And Locked On Cougs, primary of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Go Cougs. <laughs>